Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a lifelong podcast. This is episode 40, and thank you for being here. My name is Heidi Kumjan, and I am a super passionate gal when it comes to non toxic living and longevity. After years of extreme dieting, living by societal standards, and being at war with her own body, she finally got out of survival mode and discovered how to trust her body again when she went on her own healing journey after losing her period for years. I want to touch on that for one second. So we're going to be talking about how and why a woman's menstrual cycle, her period, and ovulation is so important. And you need to know why. This is the fifth vital sign. So if that didn't hook and grab you and draw you right into this episode, I don't know what will, but you have to listen in because this is absolutely critical information for your own longevity. So with that, let's dive right into the episode and join me in welcoming Mishi Garcia. Hello, Mishi, another Chicago guest. So happy to have you here. I'm so excited to be here today, too. So I'm really honored that you asked me to be on the pod. So excited. Yeah, I'm so excited, too. And I always have such a blast talking to amazing people, especially those that are really interested in non-toxic living, holistic health, all the things, obviously what the show is all about. But I'm super excited Mm -hmm. to see where this conversation goes today. I know that you help women get their period back by using real food, lifestyle tweaks, and mindset shifts. How did you end up in this line of work? Well, I developed something called hypothalamic amenorrhea down the line of obsessive dieting, I guess. And I was also under the impression that losing my period wasn't a terrible thing. I thought it was a good thing. And turns out that that's not the truth at all. Your period is a vital sign and we need to be having a cycle, a natural ovulatory cycle every single month. And so, yeah, so I went through the process. I lost my period. I went through the whole unraveling of learning that it's actually necessary that we have a period every single month. And then I learned all of the things about my lifestyle that were that led to the loss of my period. And honestly, it was just eye-opening. And it was a wild ride and a wild experience that on the other end of once I did get my period back, I was like, I need to help other women in this same position. So that's that's kind of like where I'm at now. Yeah, that's beautiful. A beautiful story. And I have a similar story. I feel that a lot of holistic health professionals, they kind of fall into it, not by choice, but Mm -hmm. ultimately end up finding their silver lining through the suffering and, and all of that. So I'm glad that you were able to make lemonade out of struggling with losing your period and things like that. And also being able to learn more about okay, well, what is the significance of the menstrual cycle? And many people don't understand the importance. You know, I think if you interviewed random people on the street, random women on the street, and you said, hey, like, if I could wave a magic wand and make your period disappear, would you want it to disappear? And most people would be like, yeah, for sure. Like, I don't want a period. But 
I guess let's dive into that a little bit deeper because this is your wheelhouse. Why is it so, so, so important to have a period? So many reasons. Well, I think to go back to your point, as far as asking random people on the street, if it's important or not, I think a lot of it has to do with our education. I don't know about, about you, but I, about me and a lot of my other clients can also resonate with the fact that I think they had like a one hour class in their health class that taught them about like, this is what's going to happen when you get your menstrual cycle. And then boys were separated from the girls and they all had their own separate chats. And it was just like, okay, you either tampon, cat, this is what happens. And that's literally it. So there's Mm. not a lot of education around, I guess, body awareness, fertility, all of the things. So of course, people aren't going to know the importance of it at all. But yeah, it's super important that we have a cycle And regardless, I think this is a big takeaway here, regardless of if you want to have children or not, it is part of our biology as a woman. I guess if you don't want to have children, I'd say, unfortunately, your body is just designed to reproduce. And as a byproduct of that, it has a ton of health benefits for us. It helps keep our body optimal whenever we are ovulating. So that's really the important takeaway that I want people to understand here is not because you can have a monthly cycle, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're ovulating. So we really want to be making sure that we're having a regular ovulatory cycle. And the reasoning for that is our hormones, estrogen and progesterone, they're protected for us. So it is so beneficial for a woman to be ovulating for 30 to 40 years, because every time you ovulate, it's like putting money in the bank for when you no longer ovulate when you go into menopause because it's very protective for your bone health it's protecting against osteoporosis your heart health so cardiovascular disease diabetes your immune health your metabolic health your brain health so it's very important that we're ovulating and producing these two hormones that happen whenever we do ovulate and so estrogen i think a lot of people speak on estrogen and especially in our world, which you're probably very involved in, obviously, but a lot of people talk about estrogen dominance. So now that we're, we are very aware of outside estrogens from Mm. products in our environment that are impacting the fact that a lot of women are having estrogen dominance, but that's also playing into the fact that a lot of women also aren't ovulating because progesterone helps mitigate the effects of estrogen. Anyways, going on a bit of a tangent and getting to the point here. This is fantastic. (laughs) It is. I feel like I'm like all over the place. No, you're doing great. Keep going. (laughs) But in essence, so, you know, estrogen is a lot of the times like looked at as a negative hormone or it's bad to have estrogen, but we need both estrogen and progesterone, but we just need them in balance. So in the beginning or the first half of your cycle, estrogen will be the dominant hormone. Estrogen is a growth hormone. So what are we growing in the first half of our cycle? You're growing a a follicle that's going to then turn into an egg, right? And then you're also growing your uterine lining, which if you don't fertilize that egg, then it turns, it sheds the uterine lining, starts it all over again. So it's very important that we have estrogen and that it does have that growth effect because like I said, you need to grow follicle, egg, and uterine lining, right? So whenever we do ovulate, we just need to make sure that A, we're ovulating so that we have progesterone that is going to mitigate the effects 
of estrogen and estrogen doesn't, doesn't continue to be the dominant hormone and continue to have those growth effects because that's what the problem is, is we have women who aren't ovulating, aren't producing that progesterone. So estrogen continues to dominate and that leads to things like certain types of cancers and, and all of that. And, and as well as there's women who do ovulate, but they're, they don't have a very strong ovulation or they don't have a very strong corpus luteum because that mm. follicle that release that egg then turns into a gland called the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum is very nutrient intensive, I guess we'll say. So you just need to make sure that you're eating a quality diet and you don't have a ton of stress on your plate because those things can really eat up our, our nutrient stores as well. And it, and if we don't have a strong corpus luteum, then we don't have a strong production or producing progesterone for the right amount of time, I guess is what mm. I'm trying to say. This so. is so fascinating. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just like taking notes over here, but <laughs> pertaining to the ovulatory cycle and yeah. given that there, yes, is a total lack of education, school, society on these kinds of things, except now we have amazing women like you and others oh. bringing this out into the public and helping folks. How, I guess, would a woman know if they're ovulating? And, oh, and what, would make it, what would make it a strong ovulatory cycle? Oh, this is a really good question. I love this. Okay. So this is what we all need to be doing, which we have not been taught to do. It makes me really, really sad because I think a lot of the times the only option it's like this rite of passage almost. It's like, okay, you got your period. The next step we need to do is get you on some sort of hormonal contraceptive so that we can tame this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because I just feel like there's this negative association around your menstrual cycle. Like it's, it's, it's dirty. It's shameful. It's, oh my God, you can get pregnant just by sitting on a bus seat every single day of the week. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a lot of this fear that's put into us. But if we're educated on our cycles and we understand our cycles, we they can we can really utilize them to leverage and have a, a beautiful life. But anyways, getting off topic here a little bit, what we can do, how do we know that we're ovulating? So you can use fertility awareness method. And what that looks like is you can be taking your temperature every day. So you could you don't need a crazy device for this either. You could just go to the drugstore and get a cheap thermometer. You can go on Amazon. They're like seven, eight dollars and get a really quality thermometer and taking your temperature every single day and documenting that. That can be within an app. You can write it down however you like to do it. And then in addition to that, to really identify like our fertile phase or if we're ovulating is by checking our cervical mucus, which a lot of people are calling it discharge, which I think gives it that negative association that, oh my gosh, I have a yeast infection or something mm. is going on here. But anyways, it's actually a good thing. It, it's a sign that we're producing estrogen within our cycle, which is a good thing. And then it's a sign also that we're approaching our fertile window. So those are the two main things that we can do to double check, I guess, if we're ovulating. But the number one thing is going to be taking your temperature. So mm -hmm. in your, which also your temperature is going to tell you a lot about your metabolic health as well. So you can kind of kill two birds with one stone there. And so in the first half of your cycle, your temperature is going to be relatively a little bit lower when you wake up. And so it's going to be, 
it should be anywhere from like 97.4 to 97.8. If you're experiencing a lower temperature within your first half of your cycle, so your follicular phase, that could be, and that could indicate that you're having a sluggish metabolism, something of that nature, or any mm. side of thyroid issues that would be very reflective in your temperatures. And so anyways, once you've ovulated, you will see your temperature rise and it'll probably be like 0.6 to one degree higher than it was in your follicular phase. So you can use your temperature to gauge, have I ovulated? It, it's not going to be like, oh my gosh, like now I'm ovulating. You'll be able to confirm after the fact of, oh, I have ovulated. So that's why we use cervical mucus to mm-hmm. identify like a fertile like phase. So mm-hmm. your fertile phase is going to be between like five to six days. And then we'll use our temperature to be like, oh, I did ovulate. So mm-hmm. you could use some sort of fertility awareness method. You could use some sort of device. So I, what I like to use, it's called temp drop. And it's just a little band that you wear on your arm that has like a little thermometer inside of it. And put it on your arm at night, go to sleep, wake up, sync it with your phone. And you're done with it. That's it. And then you could just know based on your graph. And if your temperature has spiked at a certain point in time in your cycle, you'll know that you ovulated. The good thing too about that is you want to make sure that your temperature stays high. So once that temperature has risen, you want to make sure it's three plus days. That's how you know that you've ovulated. And you really want your temperature to, to be at that higher temperature for at least 10 to 12 days. So if you're experiencing something like less than nine days, that could be reflective of low progesterone levels. And because we talked about the corpus luteum is what really produces that progesterone in your second half of your cycle. So Mm -hmm. if somebody is like, how do I know if I'm producing enough progesterone? I know I'm ovulating, but like, am I producing enough estrogen? That will also be reflective Mm in the length of your luteal phase. You know, so your little phase, I guess, is I should say that is the second half of your cycle and your temperature in your luteal phase should last between 10 to 12 days. Mm. Oh, my gosh. These are incredible (laughs) tips. And I'm glad that we're well, you are sharing this with the audience because I feel like I said, it's probably very foreign. I personally like fam methods and thermometer and cervical mucus all the different things i i love and have been doing myself but i want the audience to be familiar with all these different things and i'm so glad you shared all that yeah i i want to talk a little bit about non-toxic living because the show Mm -hmm. is all about non-toxic living and longevity and you had mentioned very briefly about kind of these estrogen dominance and endocrine disruptors. So since we're both interested in non-toxic living, can you explain to the audience how this can help period recovery or hypothalamic amenorrhea? Did I say that right? (laughs) Hypothalamic, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yeah. I guess we didn't get into too much of what hypothalamic amenorrhea and all that thing is, but yeah, we can do that towards. No, first dive into that first and then explain how non-toxic living helps with it. Yeah. So hypothalamic amenorrhea 
in essence, it's just like a really fancy medical term to describe the loss of a woman's cycle within her reproductive year. So not a woman who's lost her cycle within menopause because that's a natural fact of living. And there's two different forms of amenorrhea in essence. So there's going to be primary amenorrhea, and that's somebody who has gone through puberty and never got a cycle at all. And then secondary amenorrhea is going to be somebody who has had a cycle before and lost their cycle within their reproductive years. So you might hear it called, like I said, secondary amenorrhea. You might hear it called functional hypothalamic amenorrhea or just hypothalamic amenorrhea. There's no different mechanisms going on the body that's going to dictate which name it falls under. It's all the same thing. And it all a result of being in some sort of energy deficit. So that Mm -hmm. would look like what is what happens more often than not is a woman is either under eating, over exercising, under a high amount of stress or a combination of all three. But like at the if you understand the root of those three things, that is very energy intensive. So the demands that you're putting on your body are higher than the fuel that you're putting in. You're going to, in essence, result in yeah, at some mm. point down the line. So you might experience other things, symptoms before that. So maybe your your cycle is a little bit shorter. Maybe the periods that you're having are a little bit lighter. Maybe you're cold all the time. Maybe you have to go to the bathroom really frequently. So frequent urination, your libido is low. So you have no sex drive. You have hypothyroidism, digestive issues, your hair is thinning. So all of these things are all symptoms and HA and your missing period is also a symptom as well of just being in an energy deficit, which our current modern lifestyle is, is a lot of what causes that. And especially the messaging that we're receiving too around that of what health should look like. Health looks like this certain body type and, and health also the way you achieve it is by eat less and move more. And then we're also getting the messaging of hustle culture, you know, I'll rest when I die kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so all of these things, of course, are going to lead to us being in some sort of energy deficit at some, some point. So in essence, that is what HA is. And if you're missing your period, it's typically a diagnosis of elimination. So like, A, you're not pregnant. Mm -hmm. B, you don't have PCOS, which that's a whole nother podcast in itself of the Mm -hmm. misdiagnosis of PCOS and HA. So I I know that what's typically mentioned is if you don't have a period for three months, that would be a sign that you have HA. But there are a lot of women who have PCOS and their cycles are 90, 95 days. So that would fall into that category as well. So Typically, I have to say, if you haven't had a cycle for like six months, you're not, and you know that you fall under the category of probably like a chronic dieter, or you've had a dieting type of past, you maybe over-exercise, it's most likely that you have HA. And I'll just, the last thing I'll mention here too is I don't want to invalidate anybody's experience with HA because there are a couple different avenues we can go down to developing HA. And that could be, maybe you do have a a tumor on your pituitary gland, but that is extremely, extremely rare. Or say you're somebody who had severe digestive issues and you were put on some sort of protocol and what you're eating is very restrictive. And then maybe that causes some sort of food fears around eating and you're only eating five foods, you're not eating enough. So like, Mm -hmm. those are some things that can also lead to AJ that aren't, hey, I'm an 
under eater, over exerciser, under a ton of stress type of person. Mm. So that's wow. kind of the all the things on AJ. Yeah, no, that's super thorough. And yeah. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it again. I think <laughs> I should just call HA. But I guess back to the original part of the yeah, question. question before I was like, wait, let's for sure address what HA is. How does non-toxic living, I guess, when you're trying to recover your period? Obviously, it's the energy part is a huge part of it, you know, making sure you're eating enough and not working yourself into oblivion. But mm-hmm. I guess, is there a relationship between non-toxic living and recovering your period? Does it help? Does it not make I w- a difference? I wouldn't say that it doesn't have an impact on on your cycle. Does does it make a difference in are you going to get your period back or not? I would say probably not because at the end of the day, what we need to make sure is to get you out of this energy deficit. So we just need to put you in a calories. I mean, it's like this back to really, the basics kind of. Yeah. This being very general in my response of saying like just being in a calorie surplus, right? Resting more and, and eating enough to get you out of this hole. Yeah. But to have an optimal cycle on the other side, it would mm. probably be wise to be very aware of the quality of the food that you're putting in your body as well as the quality of your environment. So Things like the products that you're using on your skin every single day are do have an impact, and but that's going to show up in the in your cycle once you get your cycle back. When you're on the other side, okay, got it. Yes, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know with endocrine disruptors and the toxic soup that is our world, definitely impacts our hormones. But it would have more of a difference once you actually have your period. Like at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Let's just get you to have period and then do the fine tuning stuff later on. Yes. We'll get you a period and make sure we're ovulating. But I have to be very careful with because the type of clientele that we work with usually come from like a disordered background or some sort of like orthorexia or things of that nature of not pushing. Let's eat super clean or the just the things of that nature, just because they do have that sort of background. And so what I do is like, I work a lot with them to prepare their relationship with food, with exercise, and ultimately with themselves. And at the end of the day, then they can make those sort of better choices that are Mm -hmm. going to help optimize their cycle on the other side, but they're making it the choices out of a respect and love for themselves. So we just have to make sure we get them to that place before we start to introduce the importance of low tox living. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I know. You don't want to overwhelm someone, especially. And it's a really delicate dance. It It truly is. And it's it's and everyone's so so different too. Oh gosh. Yeah. Meeting them where they're (laughs) you know, meeting them where they're at is really the name of the game. Yeah, it and it truly is because I don't want to downplay the importance of low-tox living at all. And our world, unfortunately, is so toxic. Even in the messaging that we're receiving is very toxic. Yeah. And then, you know, put on top of like, gosh, all the things that are in our environment, it's very, very overwhelming. So kind of trying to get them in the place of just realizing to control with it that the things that are in their control and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I really love your approach. It seems to be very gentle and sustainable in the long run too. Yeah. For the individual. Yeah. Sustainability is, is so key because, you know, if we aren't gentle with them, we get Mm -hmm. them to restore their period. Like they're very much likely to relapse again because they never really got to the root or understanding of what was driving their behaviors in the first Mm. place. So it is a very gentle approach, but I'm definitely on the other side of it of like, because when I came out of AJ, I guess like I just wasn't even aware of like menstrual cycles and and anything of that nature at all, nor was mm-hmm. even aware of sick health or the things that were in my products or any mm-hmm. of that. So I learned all of that kind of through the process. And then I got on the other side and I'm like, oh my gosh, tampons and period products are all super toxic. And I never, never would have thought to look for like an organic tampon right. or pad or anything of right. that nature. It, yeah, it's it's a little frightening. However, there are some incredible brands and the awareness around this is growing and women are realizing through, I think social media is just a great way to learn about it. And even transparency in general, consumers are trending towards wanting more transparency and what is going in on around their body. So what are some of your favorite period products? There's obviously I would say urias, but any and yeah. all are appreciated. And like, I don't know, you could also help me with this other hunt that I'm currently on, but we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. So the brands that I love to gravitate towards are Cora, Lola, and Honeypot. So those are the three that I can pretty much trust and, and the things that are touching your skin are clean and organic. Yeah. I also, have you heard of NatraCare? It's like very basic. Yes. Okay. So I do use use them. This is the thing. I just don't like their applicator. Yes, I know. It's almost too basic. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just me, but I was like, it is a good one. It's just, I was like, maybe I'm just not using it right, but I have, I struggle a lot with the applicator. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. (laughs) At least it's non-toxic, but it's not the best applicator. (laughs) No. So what I have been really looking into as of lately our non-toxic period underwear because I would yep but literally seems like the most impossible task so I don't know if you have any wait which one is it no no they all have PFAS like (laughs) perfluorinated alkyls super toxic forever chemicals in them so I'm terrified I am too and I try them yeah so like you'll find a brand and I think some of the ones that I named are very guilty of this because they all carry a period underwear, whatever. Mm-hmm. They say it's organic. So most of the fabric is organic, but it's the lining that probably has whatever you yeah. just mentioned. In yes. It. And it's like a waterproofing finish. So you could have an organic fabric, but then you put a finish over it or a lining between it that is super toxic. For yeah, instance, so- like the Gore-Tex, it's in a lot of raincoats or the coating in pan, nonstick pans. It's that same chemical that's being found in extremely high amounts in these underwear. Oh my gosh. So, so. it's almost, it seems like it's unavoidable. Maybe. But I, do I don't believe... know if you can make it without it. I, well, I know that's the thing. It's like you need a little bit of something to, to prevent. Yeah. Yeah. The 
exactly what we're all thinking about, but there is one brand that someone I trust posted and I'm blanking on the name, but I know there was, there's one brand that's non-toxic, did all the tests, third-party testing, tested negative for PFAS and all the bad things, but I don't know the name of it. So I'm going to dig through all of my, I guess, saved Instagram posts and maybe I saved it in my notes app. I'll try to find it. I'll let you know. And then I'll also add it to the show notes for the listeners. Yeah. Hoping I find it. That would it. be <laughs> super helpful because I'm sure you've also felt this too through your own journey is like, you know, you're always forever evolving and you're always forever evolving in the knowledge and the things that you know, right? And right. the things that I did last year, I'm not doing this year, whatever. But anyway, so got my period back, learned about toxic products and all the things. So I transitioned off of those. And now I'm in this place where I'm like, well, should we really be wearing tampons in the first place? And this mm. is more of an intuitive feeling for me. I don't have a ton of like evidence or things to back up with my point that I'm driving here. Just things that I've actually started to read and become a little bit more mm. aware of. It's like, should we actually be stopping our flow? Because it is more of like, mm. a, like if the body is getting rid of that and we're holding it in there for X amount of hours, however long yeah. it's there... So anyways, that's why I'm now in this like frantic hunt for period underwear. I guess, you know, another option would be like organic pads or reusable pads or something of that nature. But mm -hmm. I'm just not there yet. And I'm like, I would just rather just do like a, a period panty. <laughs> yeah, no, you I haven't done, I guess, any research into that, but you bring up a a really interesting point and I definitely want to research that. I also follow someone who posted some really long story about this maybe six months ago and they were explaining like is it called free bleeding? There's a term yeah. for it. Yeah, the yeah. Free flowing or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but I also feel that just the way again we've grown up in our society you almost feel shame like oh letting it just flow out of you like that's so shameful but it's not it's yeah. just our conditioning and I love myself an organic pad I'll say it I need to get on it I really do because I, I do feel like there's something to it and maybe it's a little bit like woo woo but maybe it's our society that like you've said that's making us feel that way but I yeah. think leaning into your intuition individually is really the most important thing and yeah. not like yes. finding a research study or whatever. It's like, no, you feel an, an intuitive pull that you don't want to wear tampons. So like lean into that. Yes. Uh, and I would, I would tag on to that, that part that you just said, the intuitive pull, because if, since we're talking about menstrual cycles and all the thing, the other big rage right now is cycle sinking. And I mm -hmm. think it's beautiful and I love the awareness that it's bringing. But what I, I see happening is a lot of women are treating it like another diet and they're being very rigid with it so they're like mm. okay this is how i move in this phase this is how i eat and they're not listening to their bodies at all it's still keeping them very disconnected from their bodies i think that intuitive piece is really really important you know in all aspects of life so you know if you're practicing cycle syncing also be intuitive and like if you're not perfectly fitting in that box of like movement or the way that you're eating that's okay it whatever works for you is is what we need to find work for you and I think 
also the whole intuitive piece when it comes to like just being in tune with your full cycle and really getting away from diet culture and whatever culture is actually telling you, because that's really going to impact the health of your overall cycle. And that's true. I I could go down a whole nother rabbit hole there, but since you brought it up, I thought it was worth mentioning that little intuitive piece. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. This has been so, so wonderful. You're amazing on the mic and your energy is just incredible. I love your energy. (laughs) No, I'm being serious. Like sometimes I get really stressed out during podcast interviews. I'll be honest. Like we, I think people on both sides get, get nervous, but I have felt very calm talking to you. So I appreciate you. Oh, good. (laughs) I was, I also get really, really nervous. So I'm, I'm happy that I was able to, you know, project a positive energy versus like any of my nervous energy but like once we started I, I always start to like calm down a little bit too yeah. so I think well, you also have a really positive energy as well <laughs> thank you thank you well, and I love how like knowledgeable you also are on like the toxicity of like even just calling out like oh in raincoats they have this I'm like what? <laughs> not to overwhelm but again to be be aware of that actually REI REI just announced that they're going to get rid of all products with PFAS chemicals in them. So that was a big thing because they they claim to be so sustainable and healthy and all the things, but there were all these people protesting against them, sending them mail and getting petitions signed to get them to remove the most toxic class of chemicals from their products. And it took a number of years, but actually this month they announced that they're getting rid of it. So that's amazing. Yeah. Do you, are there any like sort of clothing brands? This might be available on your website and all the things, but yeah. um, Clothing brands. I have a blog post about it. Okay. And link in the show notes and share with you, but there aren't a ton actually for a hot second. I thought about launching a, I was going to say skincare, a clothing company that was organic and non-toxic that fell through, but <laughs> because there's such a white space, I'm like, I need to, I need to, I need to do this. And my, yeah. I actually studied fashion design, like originally that's what I went to school for. So um, funny. Me too. Well, I didn't, no I did a fashion mer- Yeah. So my degrees in fashion merchandising. Oh my so. gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But there's like this total, total need for clothing brands, but the two I have top of mind, which you're likely familiar with are Pact and Mate the Label. Mm-hmm. And what is another one? Oh, there's Laud the Label, L-A-U-D-E. It's kind of I haven't heard of them. a little bit more upscale, which is a nice, nice to bring into the mix because Pact and Mate are very, very casual. So I'd like to see more brands that are a little more upscale and stylish being non-toxic but you know it's even looking for those natural fibers instead of buying a polyester dress or synthetic blend shirt which again all those come originally from petroleum which is strange you can look for organic cotton or pure linen or hemp like but looking for that 100 percent thing and then bringing it home making sure you wash it in a non-toxic cleaner. So yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say the the two brands or three brands, Mate the Label, Pact, and Laud the Label, but also I'll link 
the blog posts with more in them. I'm just blanking right now. And otherwise, for the audience, look for natural fibers as much as possible, even when shopping mainstream. Yeah, I guess in tying that, my question back to menstrual health is like looking for an underwear or bra that is going to be organic and things like that. Because it's, it's one thing, you know, if you're five days, seven days out of the week, you know, using conventional period products, but what about the rest of the month where you're still wearing conventional underwear and things of that nature that still have those very similar toxic products in them? Yep. I do love the underwear and bras from both Pact and Mate, the label. Okay. They're great, but we need some more. They're all, you know, all the bras are more like a sports bra. So I'd love to see a brand develop a kind of like sexier bra I guess that's healthier because lace is typically not great but again not to get into the weeds (laughs) of all this I definitely wear toxic clothing here and there well all the time it's it's hard to avoid but I think being mindful of it and even you know making those more conscious decisions as I move forward I'm not going to throw out everything in my closet right now but I will wash it in non-toxic detergents. Also, putting clothing in the sun is really awesome, too. That oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it kills a lot of all the bad stuff. It's a natural disinfectant. And it also is a great, great way to remove fumes and toxic chemicals. So I guess it just it makes sense, especially if you see how modern life has evolved so much. And then you're seeing all of the things that are a byproduct of modern life disease mm-hmm. and all of those things and I just feel like back in the day you were hanging your clothes on the clothing line so like that yeah. took care of any sort Goals. of right yeah <laughs> just like gosh gotta get back to that life <laughs> yeah one day one day yeah. well in closing where can everyone find you do you have any final resources to share but definitely let everyone know where they can find your resources yeah. and your pages and all that. I am most active on Instagram. So my handle is rose.way underscore wellness, which I think you can link it because it has a bit of yep, a funny spelling I will. to it. So I will I'm most sure. active there in, and you can find me there. If somehow my account is shadow banned or taken down because it happens. I don't know why I'm talking about periods, but anyways, you can find me at rosaway.com. And then I do take one-on-one clients. I have a plethora of packages available. So that different price points, as well as the time commitment that you're able to commit and in, in where you're at in your own journey of the commitment and type of support that you need. So that was very thoughtfully curated in the way that it came up with all of those packages. The other thing too, I'm I'm starting a new certification program that I'm like overly excited about. And I just think it's going to really help me help my clients in in just like a more powerful way because what I do is I'm educating them on their, you know, giving them body literacy, essentially. So I just am excited to have more education to provide them and more support. So it's like a holistic hypothalamic amenorrhea practitioner certification. Wow. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I might slow down. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, HA in itself is like, if you say the full word, is already over Yeah, yeah but that's that super cool. It, but... I'm excited for you. Yes, thank you so much. But yeah, awesome. That's and where I... you can find me. Yay. Yeah. And I'll link everything in the show notes. And other than that, thank you so much. 
Yeah, this has been super fun. Thank you. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.